Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Jen, I'm super Kate? excited. How are you? Yes, I am great. Are you great? I, yes, well, I, I, I have a story for you. <laughs> And for our dear listeners. Shut up. Right off the bat? Yeah. So, okay. I don't want to get your hopes up too much because it was like, I feel like it's going to be anticlimactic that way. <laughs> but. <laughs> okay. So I feel like everyone knows by now my deep, deep love of local haunted house Hyde Hall. Yes, absolutely. You're you're working there, right? As a spook? Yeah. I'm working there. Um, so they have ghost tours every year. And last year I volunteered as um, a wayfish person to lurk around the halls and scare the shit out of people it's during so their nice ghost tours. It's so nice that, you know, you could be cast as a pale wayfish, you know, <laughs> uh, woman. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it nice when, the when like, the cast list fits you perfectly? It's nice when, like, you realize maybe this is why I'm so pale. This is, I'm... <laughs> I'm just like living out my full potential here. It's um, it's a calling is what it is. And I love yeah. it. I'm here for it. It's a calling. It's a lifestyle. Anyway, I'm doing it again this year. And um, they're actually paying me this year, which is great. Holy uh, shit. Look at you. <laughs> so I can just put professional ghost on my resume. Speaking of which, so we were there. I was there last night getting ready to do our very first uh, ghost tour, which was actually more of a private event kind of deal. And so I I get there around like six and I'm, you know, we walk over to the house and we're you know, talking through like, okay, so dinner set up here. So we can't go to these rooms, blah, 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 blah. So this is, this is my, my good friend, John Henry now that I'm talking to. And we had just like entered in the like staff entrance in the back of the house. Uh-huh. And it's like this office. So it's like not set up to look fancy or anything. Yeah. So like we're chatting by the door. I'm facing the door. And as we had walked over, I noticed there's like people, there's people like in and out of the house um, because the event was already happening. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I didn't think anything of it, seeing people milling around. So we're, we're inside the house chatting and I see kind of like through a crack in the door, just like some something, you know, with like a red top pass by. And I also heard like the crunching of like gravel. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I didn't. Like a surefire, like, like it was a step, you heard it. Like multiple footsteps, like, okay, yeah, someone's just walking past, which was not a big deal because I just saw some people. I didn't, so I like didn't say anything. Um, But like right at that moment, John Henry also like, he like whipped around and like opened the door as if to be like, oh, okay, you're coming in. Let me let you in. Right. There was no one there. Shut up. (laughs) We like both popped our head out and like looked like back and forth, back and forth. There was like literally no one there. Are you? That is odd. And like, it wasn't just your professor fucking with you again. No, like literally, they would have had to like fully sprint away, and we would have heard that because we heard the footsteps. It's really like it's really hard to sprint quietly. (laughs) Yeah, on gravel. Wow. So like, it was just like the weirdest thing because I would just assume that I had imagined it, except for uh, he heard it too. He heard it too, and heard it at the same time, and heard it without me like signaling anything to him 
dude yeah <laughs> your so, eyes being opened <laughs> which is awesome in that <laughs> i will be spending a lot of quality time in that house alone in the next month <laughs> so well, you know the veil is very thin right now jen that was actually yeah. what i was so excited about is that fall has finally arrived yeah no it's it's definitely spooky season I'm, which is it's yeah. the best it's the fucking best this is why uh, we do this all year this except for summer this, this is, is halloween. halloween this is ha- okay no if we start that we will not no. stop okay so speaking of halloweeny things mm-hmm. i i know that i can be a subject of <laughs> mirth and mockery Mm -hmm. and it's totally fair because i make fun of myself but jen i don't know if i've ever said this on the show before although i'm sure we can all figure it out i fucking love vampires (laughs) i have you you know a little i i started reading dracula in like fourth grade and i've reread it like 20 times i love that novel the Nosferatu, you know, the silent film, scares mm-hmm. the shit out of me. I used to rent it from Blockbuster all the time until they finally just told me to keep it because I was the only oh, one who was renting it out. My God. Yeah. That is your scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Yes, always. I think I think I might have been to the castle that it was filmed in. Are you fucking serious? I yeah. And you're not even same... like a thousand percent sure, like well, okay, so it was in Slovakia, uh-huh. and yeah, we were like wandering through this castle. They gave us like a brief tour, and they mentioned that a vampire movie was filmed there. But I think it was that is that the one where he looks like super like creepy, like with the like very Peter long from, fingers, <laughs> yeah, um, from like what we do in the shadows, the yes. one that's. Yes, exactly. Oh, what we do in the shadows. That's that is a great movie, uh, guys. If you have never seen what we do in the shadows, oh. uh, inject some joy and mirth into your life and snag it tonight. I actually think it's up for free on Netflix right now. It's on. It's on something. But no. yeah, definitely watch it because I think without yeah no that for sure is my favorite vampire movie. I'm not going to make that strong of a statement. I super enjoy it. I think like okay, so you like unironically genuinely love vampire movies yes i i am not a super vampire person like and that's fair because it's a very like it's been it's like, a little overdone and twilight kind of ruined it i do not like twilight but that being said like i it wasn't twilight that ruined i'm like i'm not so like that's what vampires are like i know that's not what right. vampires are but like i admittedly like i i don't love monster movies i like ghosts movies that's fair i love a good monster movie i love a kaiju give me the creature of the black lagoon like Mm. make it threatening make it sensible you know like to me ghosts can be very arbitrary is it there is it a spirit is it a demon whereas like demons uh monsters they all have intent and intellect and they're looking to do harm so i find them more interesting Mm. See, I I find, like, I think for me, the monster aspect of it kind of takes me out of the suspension of disbelief where I'm like, those don't exist. Those aren't real. Whereas, like, ghosts, I'm so like, but maybe. Every culture has one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's an interesting perspective. I am always a little bit more ready to believe. (laughs) It's one of my (laughs) big problems in this world. You are the 
fuck, this would be easier if I had watched the X-Files. Um, I am, yes, I am Fox Mulder of our little team, and you are Dana Scully. Scully. <laughs> That's cool. Hell yes. <laughs> yes. I want to believe, take man. That 100%. <laughs> I'm yeah, sexy, that's redheaded. Jillian Anderson, who's a treasure. It's like the highest compliment anybody could ever give you. Did you know she lived in Grand Rapids for a while? Yeah, she was raised in Grand Rapids. Um, she was raised in Grand Rapids, and people made fun of her accent, and I want to kill them all. Yeah, it was, she, Grand Rapids people uh, are either awesome or assholes. And so yeah. that's, I mean, but like also, that's people everywhere. I need to stop, yeah. you it's, know, grandstanding. Society as a whole. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah. where were we? Nosferatu. I love vampires. I love a monster. Yeah. Also, it might be related to the fact that vampires are super sexy. And it's like, you know okay, this about so, me. I so you're love into a the tall, skinny, um, I used to say pale, but like, man. yeah, it just looks a little ill, you know, looks a little sickly. Um, I'm not going to say pale anymore because it cuts out a lot of very attractive men who are genetically not pale. Looking at mm, you, mm-hmm. Keegan-Michael Key. Who's, yeah. I'm sorry, like him, like Snoop Dogg, like there's a whole, li- Dev Patel, like there's a whole I was whole just going to say Dev Patel. Holy Dev shit. Patel. So I'm, oh. I'm going to take pale off the list, but that's really where it comes from. It's that, it's that vampire thing, like vampires, mm-hmm. uh, David Bowie. Part of my like key sexual awakening labyrinth, you know. Mm, yeah. See, <laughs> so, I can trace mine back to Aragorn. Oh, okay. So, so your <laughs> ideal guy is a little more rugged, natural yeah. leader. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. See, I like a snake, and I like him breakable. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so you like the sexiness of of Dracula and vampires? Well, not so Dracula much is not sexy. Oh. I'm so glad you talked about that because let's jump in. I want to talk to you about the essence of vampires first. Okay. And the essence of vampires. Now, I wanted, okay, but like, I'm really, you've been saying the essence of vampires is what you're going to talk about for a while. And every time I'm just like, water is the essence of (laughs) what? You're a dork. I'm very excited to learn what the essence of a vampire is. Is it blood? (laughs) <laughs> it's it is it's a bigger target than I originally thought. So okay. in my head, vampires were always human looking, seductive. Mm, yeah. They looked alive. You know, you wouldn't look at them and be like, oh, that's for show dead mm-hmm. or smelly or anything like that. They are they drink blood. I think that's probably the biggest part. That's yeah. really the only unifying element yeah. to vampiric yeah. folklore. Which mm-hmm. I've read so much of this week. So drinks blood, that's the big thing. That's the through the goalposts. That's the big one. Mm-hmm. Being undead, which means that was alive and is now dead, also could be demonic, meaning was never a human, just looks kind of human, or could mm. be a demonic spirit possessing a formerly alive person. So that is a wide net. You're oh, just you wait. We're not even okay. there yet. All right. <laughs> Also, in some original works that we're finding in, like, the Carpathians and stuff, and up in Serbia, uh, into Russia, they looked like decaying corpses. They were dark. They were bloated and ruddy and often Mm. had blood seeping through their skin. They were the cause of mischief. They 
performed bad acts on the people that they left behind. They killed cattle in their area. They uh, scared housewives by throwing rocks on roofs and knocking on doors and moving away. So, <laughs> Ding dong ditch. <laughs> that's right. We The first time the word showed up in English was uh, 1734. Travels of Three English Gentlemen was the book. Hmm. That uh, word already existed in both French and German literature. One of the things, one of the key things to vampire folklore that I'm going to talk about regularly is the movement and the trade of ideas. Vampires and the idea of vampire legends and folklore spread along the trade routes. And so what starts in one place eventually goes around the world and every culture puts their own little spin on it. You know, things change from place to place. Some people said that they were created by demon, uh, that they were bitten, that they were suicide victims, that they were witches, that they were cursed. In Slavic and Chinese tradition, the vampire was created by a house animal, like a dog or a cat, leaping hmm. over a corpse, of all things. <laughs> okay. Uh, some people believe that they must be invited in. Some people believe that they have all the powers that a normal person would, and they can kick down a door. They have a number of different ways to kill them. Staking seems to be the best bet, but uh-huh. we are ambivalent about whether you're staking through the heart, through the head, even in the torso. They don't mention legs, so I would imagine it would be something a little more vital than mm-hmm. an arm or a leg. Yeah. And if you're a, a regular vampire on Buffy, your heart is the size of a dinner plate. <laughs> right. And if you're Angel, your heart is the size of a pea. So it all okay. depends. You got to be real specific. I'm so glad you talked about Buffy because we're going to talk about Buffy a bit. Oh, thank God. We have to. We have oh. to. We have to. So one of the ways that you can avoid creating a vampire, again, I'm I'm encompassing all of the folklore, guys, there's so much. If you break it down by region, you can read about vampires for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah, you sent me a Wikipedia page and I was like, mm-hmm, okay, this I, is everything. Right? Well, I started there and then I started following the links. I've probably read about 800 pages in the last four days, all about <laughs> vampires of different regions and areas. It got really intense, and so Dan banned me from the computer for a while because I wasn't talking to him. I was only Holy researching. Shit. Yeah, so I got, I did kind of a too much of a deep dive. He had to, like, bring me back. Yep. Mm-hmm. So here's some of the ways you can avoid vampires. Burying them upside down. It seems yeah. that they would get confused and try and dig farther down. Burying them with earthen objects, preferably something sharp like stakes, spears, or sickles. Mm-hmm. Severing the tendons or their knees, uh, the, oh, tendons, the tendons of their knees or their knees entirely. So if the corpse wakes up, it at least can't get out of its hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could spread. This one made me laugh. A lot of cultures, this shows up in China. This shows up in India and uh, Vietnam and Thailand and uh, Southeast Asia. So one of the ways that you could distract a vampire and, you know, keep them out of their grave until daylight where they could be obliterated mm-hmm. was to sprinkle grain uh rice or poppy seeds over their graves is and... it one of those things where it's like if you drop it they have to like stop everything and count them yes exactly Wait, really yes oh my god yep because apparently all vampires are fucking nerds and accountants yeah. and if you drop 15 poppy seeds they gotta find all 15 and be like there's 15 of those Write what it pop down. culture thing am I drawing that from? I'm not sure. I've never heard I, it before. 
I heard it from some. Okay, well. <laughs> but it made me laugh. It really, cause wow. especially because yeah. like, when I picture vampires, you know, so much of my, you know, preteen reading, not Twilight, was sexy, right, sexy, was sexy confident, you know, uh, vampires who wouldn't give a shit how many. And then you just rice. drop a bunch of lentils and they're like, ah, oh, fuck. Fuck, hang on. I got to fucking. One, two, three, <laughs> four. Damn it, I lost count. You know where that Start does again. also prop up? It, it just occurred to me. I hadn't thought about it before, but uh, Cinderella. She has to oh, yeah? find all the grains of rice or lentils oh. that are thrown by her stepmother in the original Grimm's fairy tale. Um, oh, and that's also she- in um, uh, Into the Woods. At least the movie. Yeah, it is. You're right. So so Into the Woods utilizes the Grimm's versions mm-hmm. and not the Disney versions. Because it's on time. And it's, <laughs> it's Sondheim. depressing as fuck. <laughs> depressing as fuck and using as many words as you can fit in, in a fucking mouth. The Aaron Sorkin of musical writers. Right. How fast can we talk the musical? <laughs> yep. Um, so some of the <laughs> items that vampires are said to hate, and you're going to enjoy this long ass list. Oh, please. They hate garlic, they hate wild rose, they hate hawthorn, they hate virgins, they hate black horses, they hate- Me too, right? Right. Virgins. I got no space for a virgin. (laughs) They hate virgin black horses, Uh, they hate oak, ash, they hate aspen. Um, Apparently, and this is, you know, a little fun fact, apparently Mm -hmm. Christ's cross is made of aspen. I'd never heard that before. Uh, And I don't don't know if that can be verified. I don't oh, know. I mean, I think it's as verifiable as like all those shards of the true cross that are, right. you know, scattered around. Apparently, if you take aspen boughs and you put them over the grave of somebody who you think might be a vampire rising up in the night, uh-huh. you can effectively lock them in. <gasps> yeah. So that's okay. interesting. So the question that I had was, how did they go from, you know, bloated, grizzled, corpses that mm-hmm. stank and were obviously decaying mm-hmm. and or transfer to the edward cullen well <laughs> well there's there's a stop in between you know like our our dracula and nosferatu where they look slightly decayed uh leathery mm-hmm. worn and then again yeah to the sexy true blood vampires like alexander skarsgård the love of my life Oh, that's where that started with you. Oh, girl, come on. It all goes back okay. to a Skarsgård all the time. <laughs> I love me a Skarsgård. It would be the worst thing ever in my whole life if the Skarsgårds listened to this podcast. I would be very upset. <laughs> like We probably would have gotten a cease and desist by now. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if if And probably like a personal protection order as well. And also like, just like, please, I have a family. <laughs> Um, so let's, the, the, the main reason that they got sexy was actually a piece of vampire fiction that was very, very popular, mm-hmm. created in 1819, and oh. it was written by John Polidori, who was a physician. He's considered mm-hmm. the creator of the modern vampire for his piece, The Vampire. See, that surprises me because I feel like everyone on the tip of their tongue was like, Bram Stoker, Bram Stoker. yeah, like, we you, got this. You would no. think. But no, uh, not uh, Bram Stoker certainly utilized a lot of uh, information about vampires that was already floating around. But mm-hmm. he was inspired by this other piece based on uh, the work of John Polidori. Mm. And John Polidori wrote his 
piece, The Vampire, based on one of his patients. So 1819, he's writing about a pale, sexy, suave, confident seductor. And, uh, you know, English romantic movement. Jen, who am I talking about? Uh, You know, with pale, you could have been anyone. Right. But this... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where, where you went from that it could only be the one the, the only. only lord byron that's right the original panty dropper yeah. <laughs> i love him i'm into it so i sexy. my whole life have been into byronic heroes uh, or villains um i don't discriminate <laughs> yeah can i go on one more brief hide hall tangent yes please oh my god so uh another exciting thing that's happening there right now is there's a film being shot there. Really? Yes. Awesome. And it is about Mary Shelley <sighs> hanging out at Lord Byron's house in Italy. Mary and Shelley. Hall is standing oh in for that. The, so that's going to be the place? That's, yeah, that's, they're shooting there for like two weeks. Next week, they're doing a party scene and they needed extras. Are you going to do it? I'm going to be in it. Oh my God, I'm going to fucking cry. Okay. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. I'm I'll take pictures. So, yeah. I'm going to need you to get a picture of anybody hot. Start with yeah. that. Okay. Um, and I remember, I don't discriminate. Hot women, hot men, send them my way. <laughs> I need to know who's playing Lord Byron. Yeah. Obviously you do. Obviously. Yeah. If it's Alexander Skarsgård, I'm going to need you to tackle him. Hold this him there. A... I can be there in six hours, Jen. Yeah. Let's just say this is not a Skarsgård budget. Oh, okay. Movie. Well, damn. You know, yeah. sometimes he does do very indie flicks, though. So I'm just well, saying. You never know. He could show up. But I feel like he's not swarthy enough. Yeah, he's a little too strong now. Like, he's he's not. Mm-hmm. He looks too healthy. A little too Scandinavian. Damn it. <laughs> um. All right. So anyway, back to I your before, story. Uh, Lord Byron. The Lord Byron. Oh, right. Okay. So just that's how vampires became sexy. Um, they they had these kind of a rebranding in the Romantic era uh, that followed through uh, to the Victorians, 1897, Bram Stoker's Dracula. And then once film got in there, holy shit. Mm-hmm. You know, the German film Nosferatu, which if you've never seen, please, please watch. While you're at it, also check out one of the uh, best... Uh, demon zombie silent films. It's called The Cabinet of Dr. Calgary. Definitely check that out. There's some great stuff out there. But the more we can build on our literature and commonly held arts, the more vampires enticed and attracted more people. And it's actually very surprising that they got to be as popular as they are because they really started quite obscurely. They kind of effectively first crop up in ancient Persia. Really? Uh, Yes. And then, again, remember I said uh, vampire folklore spread along the trade routes. And so Mm -hmm. Persians trading with people, moving around their empires, dealing with Jewish people, the Jewish diaspora across Europe, and Mm -hmm. brought all of these stories with everybody put their own little spin on it, and it brought it to the modern vampire. And what's really interesting to me is that vampires might have been born from my OG bitch, Lilith. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that bitch. That f- I love her. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Um, <laughs> it was like, I when you mentioned Lilith, I was like, that rings a bell 
And then I did some Googling. I was like, oh, of course. Oh, right. Her. The best villain on Supernatural. Oh, she is. I haven't watched Supernatural. So is she awesome? Well, I don't want to spoil too But she's like, her thing is like inhabiting small girls. Oh, yeah. And so, like, she possesses young young girls all the time. And so it's like, it, she's like the most evil villain on the show, basically. And I love it. all of this, like, evilness is coming from this, like, 10-year-old girl. And it's adorable and, like, so good. Is it in the... I know um, from people who watch uh, Supernatural that, like, the first five seasons are kind of serious. Yeah. Okay. And so the subsequent seasons are kind of silly. So is she from the yeah, serious yeah. timeline she's or the silly from, timeline? She's from the good first part. So okay. If, so the first five. So, so if you're looking to get into supernatural, my first piece of advice is maybe don't. But <laughs> if you if you think you definitely want to, from my opinion and fr- that which I think is reflected amongst a lot of no- like normal supernatural fans, I think it's pretty widely accepted that the first five seasons are the best and that should have ended there because that it tells a whole cohesive story. Like the first season especially is very monster of the week, very, but actually like scary. Fun. And then there's just like all of these overarching like season plots and it like really ties together at the end of season five. And then they just kept getting more money. <laughs> and so... <laughs> and so now, it was a monster that couldn't be killed. Yeah, now things have kind of gotten out of control. And I haven't watched it since mid-season nine. And it's just kind of like really lost the wheels, I think. But yeah, Lilith, it shows up in the early seasons. So oh. if you want to just to just like understand what it is, but not get in too deep, just watch the first five seasons. And okay, kind of- I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Lilith for a hot second because she's okay. my main bitch. Um, okay. I'm a big fan. One of the reasons that she's my main bitch is that she went through a massive rebranding in the 1970s following the women's movement. We're going to talk about that. <gasps> okay. Um, but she, I just want to stress first and foremost, Lilith is not actually explicitly discussed in Genesis. She is uh, a creature of folklore. She is... She gets a lot of different translations where it might be Lilith, but it might be just a bad translation. Yeah, because see, like, I Genesis is one book that I actually read because there's like five times where I was like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible. Yeah, I did so Genesis. You got to start at the beginning. Well, yeah. well, did you catch in the first two chapters of Genesis, there are some contradictions. And mm-hmm. you'd have to be a super big fucking nerd to catch them. Well, actually, I mean, okay, I did take a biblical studies class. Oh, okay. In college. But like... <laughs> Yeah, this is one thing that drives me nuts about creationists because the first two chapters of the Bible completely contradict each other. And Absolutely. so it's like, how are you taking this absolutely when there's two separate accounts of how the world was created? Well, in anyway. the Middle Ages, they tried to correct that uh, because oh. people were starting to fucking catch on. And you can't control the masses if you're fucking shooting yourself in the foot by the second chapter. Yep. And it, when I say chapter, I'm not talking nine pages, like, or, you know, No, it's like pages. the next page. Yeah, like, you turn the page, chapter two, and then they're like, fucking forget everything we just said. <laughs> That's what we mean is. So so let me start with just, uh, for those of you who are the uninitiated, Lilith effectively is Adam's bitchy first wife. Wow. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah, and she's used as kind of a rod and stick to 
measure women by. She's the original bitch. She's the original okay. slut. Uh, okay. She, she's a mother of all things bad. And, you know, she hits those four archetypes. What am I missing? Uh, slut, bitch, mother, <sighs> nun. Harpy, shrew. Yeah, so the, the four architects of, of women, everything that is bad, she is. Everything that is good, she is not. What the fuck? And it's all based... They're getting this from Genesis? Well, yes, because in, okay. the, in Genesis 1, Genesis mm-hmm. 1 chapter, hang on, I wrote it down. Genesis chapter 1, verse... Verse 27, it is said that God reached into the dust and he created man and he created women from the same pile of dust. Yeah. Now, remembering your schoolhood days, you know, mm-hmm. Sunday, I assume you went to Sunday school? Yes. Same. Do you remember how they said woman was made? From Adam's rib. Word. Uh, that's, <laughs> that appears in Genesis chapter 2, verse, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 2, uh, verse 7, lines 21 and 22, uh, oh that she God. was made from man. So, because... Around- the fucking men couldn't handle women being made from the same shit as men. Oh, Jen. <laughs> they had you're... to make it sexist. Yep. You're right there. You had to. It's, mm-hmm. it's women, like you were equality? there. Equality? What? Heaven I'm forbid. especially fired up right now. So like this is. Oh, yeah. You mean this in the time <gasps> of the Kavanaugh hearings? Yeah. I, yeah. I saw a really great post that uh, basically said. You know, women are having a hard week. Uh, women who've been attacked are basically like one shitty conversation away from crying and screaming. And so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, prepare yourselves, men, because we're not fucking having it anymore. I will also put it out there. Not all men. I just watched a video uh, where two men with a horn and a trumpet were using mm-hmm. their horn and their trumpet to shout down a group of anti-woman protesters shouting about the woman's place and so they were like every time the preacher guy would speak the trumpet guy would like burr, 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 so nobody could yeah. hear him that's i mean that's incredible and i love that and also if you're a man please do not fucking derail the conversation by not all men in it please yep. just like we understand we understand but like men as a class historically have been shitty. It is all men. Too yeah. us. <laughs> but it, so Lilith is a very feminist figure. So let's get back on track before we derail our fucking selves. So she was considered his equal. Uh, biblical scholars needed to come up with a correction for that. It is never corrected in the Bible, though. That's important to remember. <laughs> Just like imagining them sitting down. Corrections corner. Uh... <laughs> yeah. And they would spread so that word we using. Said... <laughs> that right. men and women were made from the same thing. Like, we didn't really mean that because obviously... <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. She's not actually named in Genesis. We'll talk We'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, yeah, but she's it's, not named anywhere <laughs> in the Bible. It, well, it depends on your translation. We'll, okay. we'll talk more. So I want you to think about some of the major themes of Lilith. Um, winged. She's often found mm-hmm. in trees. She, is, she has long hair. She's incredibly beautiful. Sexy. But also, also. (laughs) she is half woman, half serpent. She's a witch. She's a vampire. um, And she's considered a killer of babies and the attacker of pregnant women. So if a woman miscarries or has a stillborn baby or a baby who's deformed, said Mm -hmm. that Lilith attacked her pregnancy and that the woman is unclean by default. It feels like they're trying to uh, replace Satan with Lilith. (laughs) 
Um, in some ways, yes. Just a little bit. There used to be uh, in in the different religious texts, Satan, because Satan really isn't as much of a thing. They attributed mm-hmm. a whole pantheon of different demons to things that we just refer to as the devil today because we're mm-hmm. religiously lazy. Yeah. And it's I mean, there's one God. There might as well be only one devil. <laughs> right. Uh, to say nothing. You know what? Don't even get me started, Jeff. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so uh, her main theme throughout time is that she's the attacker of women and that she drinks their blood and the blood of infant babies. But she also is the seducer of men. Uh, she's <laughs> yeah. the source of chaos, ungodliness, disobedient, disobedience. She's an incarnation of lust. Pretty much everything that's the opposite of a subservient woman. James mm-hmm. Joyce uh, utilized her name to call her the patron of abortions. Ooh. I know. Woman's right to choose. Uh, unless you're a man choosing for her. <laughs> Sorry. That also okay. just came out of the news. It's yes. a been a week. <laughs> anyway. It has been a fucking week, guys. Um, so you can see how this is all lending itself to a 1970s rebranding, you know, in the yeah. in the look of Roe versus Wade and the women's movement, the, what is it, this is second wave feminism. So she actually is rooted in the Babylonian Talmud. So um, the, what is the basis of Lilith is from about 2000 BC, 4,000 years ago. She's a winged woman demon who attacks women and infants, a demon of the wilderness. She crops up in full in two different texts of the Middle Ages. Now, remember, she starts Mm -hmm. in Babylonia. So Mm -hmm. Persian Empire, they have a huge movement of Jewish people throughout that empire who are carrying these stories as well as collecting other stories. So she turns into a character in Jewish folklore. Lilith in full, she becomes something created and fleshed out by Jewish scholars and writers and um, what I would think of as fucking bards. She crops up in full in two texts of the Middle Ages, uh, possibly to explain the contradictions between those first two chapters of Genesis. Mm -hmm. People were discovering through through studying um, these you know beautiful Torahs, uh, the scroll work that holds the what would become the Old Testament, but is also uh, the canonical Jewish texts, that those contradictions needed to be explained. And so in the tales of Ben Sirah and the alphabet of Sirach, mm-hmm. uh, which is a satire, the story of Lilith is kind of laid out for us to build upon. And so in the... The basics are that when Adam and Lilith were created, they set to bickering, and <laughs> neither one would submit to the other. So and the first divorce happened. Exactly. So this is the first divorce. And the wow. way that Lilith solidified this divorce and kind of proved herself to a Middle Ages, Middle Ages Jewish audience that she was a true villain is mm-hmm. she said the name of God aloud. Um, if you are a <gasps> yeah. person... Well, um, you know the te- the commandment, uh, don't take the na- Lord, name of the Lord in vain? Mm-hmm. So, so God is Beetlejuice? <laughs> let's, let's not. <laughs> so don't take the name of the Lord in vain is in the Jewish tradition, you don't say his name unless it's in prayer or to praise his name and, and you know, mm-hmm. say all things come from this glory. So when... She says the name of God. Some Jewish people won't even write the word God on a page. They'll write G-D. Mm-hmm. So she said this aloud. 
She grew wings uh, spontaneously, took to the winds, and flew away from the walled Garden of Eden. Which is really kind of like ascending. You're free. You've got wings. Fly. We we certainly look at it this way, but back then she was being cast into the wilderness. Uh, She is henceforth considered a wilderness demon. And but she got wings out of the deal. She so did. So, like, that's pretty rad. It does. It seems pretty rad. She also was pursued, and this, this comes from the um, the satirical uh, alphabet of Sirach. Uh, she was pursued by three angels. God hears, Adam goes and was like, I don't know, God, she left. And God's <laughs> like, man. And he sends three angels. Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce their names. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm going to be offensive enough here. Mm-hmm. So these three angels go after her, and they're supposed to bring her back. And she fights them. And they're like, Jesus, okay, well, here's the rules. <laughs> Please, Jesus is my son. Call me God. <laughs> <laughs> so the rules are that she is driven to kill babies as because Adam was a dick to her. She's going to take her revenge on mothers and babies. Okay. And so the angels are like, well, fucking don't do that. She is going to give birth to demons. And Mm, she... (laughs) Amen. Don't we all? (laughs) And that she... Uh, she's going to be as powerful, uh, if not more powerful. And so the angels are are starting to negotiate with her, which is why this is considered a satire. Uh, Mm -hmm. It makes God and Adam look like weak little pussies. And the angels are just little yes men who, when they can't force this woman back into the garden and make her behave, they start negotiating. (laughs) They're like, all right, all right, you don't have to come back, but uh, we're going to kill 100 of your kids every day. And so she starts getting pregnant. She actually copulates with some fallen angels. And oh, she, shit. yeah, she, there's some of these stories that show up um, talking about Lilith are, they're quite sexually explicit. Uh, mm. Again, she's an incarnation of lust. And it also sounds like men trying to work some things out. Oh, there we go, man. Yeah, with, it all really and, roots back to mm-hmm. the way men are looking at horny, women. Horny, horny men. Indeed. Just like, you know, it's fine if we're writing all this smut as long as it's ostensibly biblical. <laughs> Very good. Um, <laughs> so uh, she says that she has dominion over babies. Uh, she has dominion. And this is arbitrary and I don't quite understand it. Uh, she has dominion over boy babies for eight days until their circumcision. That's why a bris happens on the eighth day. Mm. And she has dominion over girl babies for 20 days, which some people say is why girls are more likely to sin because they had that longer influence of Lilith. <laughs> I know, very influential first 20 days of your life. <laughs> right? Oh, did she do that sweet skin-on-skin contact? Because then, yeah, imprinting, man. So the angels who were dealing with her say, all right, but if anybody puts our names on amulets around their babies, all right, you can't touch those babies, and those are the rules. So that explains why Adam has this first wife who was created equally of him, and then also this second wife who was created of his rib to be subservient to him. And that's like right in the laws. Yeah. To be subservient. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Doesn't seem like weird that they made it, didn't seem like they made it up at all. (laughs) I'm sure that's exactly how it went down. I mean, like, if we really want to start picking apart all religions, I guess we can do that. Okay. I don't know how much time you have, girl who went to Christian college. <laughs> ah. oh. 
<laughs> she is later in history linked to another legendary figure from the Talmud. His name is Asmodeus. Um, I probably just butchered that. A-S-M-O-D-E-U-S. And he is the king of the demons. And they copulate constantly. They're constantly producing children, releasing evil and chaos into the world. Now, that's the basis. These stories spread by a written tradition and they move all around the world, literally all around the world. There mm -hmm. is not a place that doesn't have a Lilith or eventually a vampire story. Huh. And so these different traditions start to deal with issues of translation. And some of their translations are linked. Um, for example, Jen, if your mother is singing to you so you can go to sleep, what word is that for that song? A lullaby. A lullaby. A lullaby is mm -hmm. from the etymology of the Lilith be gone. And hang on, I have. Uh, so lullaby alamali, Lilith abi, which is Lilith be gone. And so it's like a chant, like a holy chant that a mother would use to soothe the child holy and shit. keep her child secure in the night. Oh my God. Because Lilith is a night demon. She would come at night and drink the, 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 the blood of babies. Does that sound familiar? Yes. You know, night coming, drinking blood like a vampire. Like a vampire. <laughs> so she in, in Greek and in some of the early biblical texts, uh, Lilith is translated to the word Lamia or Lamia. I don't, different cultures say it different ways. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that familiar to you? Do you remember hearing about those? I was just going to say, word association-wise, reminds me of labia. Oh, I hadn't made that connection. There might be a good one there. <laughs> uh, in this case, the Lamia uh, are a wilderness demon that are cast mm -hmm. out by Isaiah. Uh -huh. In Isaiah chapter 34. See, I didn't get that far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to keep going, Jen. There's some good stuff along the way. Yeah. I hear this New Testament's pretty rad. <laughs> so Isaiah 34, he, he's talking about the demons that are in the wilderness that he's uh, casting away. And one of them is the Lamia, who uh, in English is uh, sometimes translated to screech owl, along with hyena and uh, goat as kind oh, of Oh, so like super shrill... Yeah, animals. but also animals who are wise and independent, yeah. uh, you know, like, mm -hmm. like ladies can be. Hmm. So they have this, uh, these strong connections throughout literature. We see her in lots of, sorry, lots, lots of different literature. Uh, Michelangelo depicts her in some of his works as the half woman, half serpent. There are a lot of relief sculptures around. Is it like a mermaid? situation like a land mermaid yeah think land mermaid yes oh, but wow. without all the fins just like yeah, subtract just the like fins. a torso slithering around <laughs> does her torso stick up vertically like a person or is she just like crawling around on the floor face in the dust <laughs> she's almost always wrapped around a tree oh the tree of knowledge Come on, Michelangelo. <laughs> there are some legends that fit along with the early canons that Lilith is actually the serpent in the garden. Yeah, see, this is what I was thinking when you're when you're telling me this originally. It sounds like men didn't like the idea of Satan being more of a male figure. Possibly. <laughs> I wanted to change that. <laughs> That's very, very possible. 
So she comes up, she crops up a lot in literature and art. She might be referenced in the Epic of Gilgamesh as the spirit in the tree. Uh, again, James Joyce, uh, the patron saint of, called her the patron saint of abortions. The Jewish feminist literature magazine Lilith takes their name from uh, this Jewish folklore tradition. Also, read a couple of their articles. Fucking badass. You should check them out. All right. Uh, Lilith Fair, which all of the proceeds for uh, Lilith Fair in its early days went to battered women's shelters to help women who just wouldn't submit. And my personal favorite, uh, Jeff, have we talked about my favorite art culture uh, chapter? I don't, I don't know how to call it. This movement, it's a movement. My favorite art movement. Oh, you mean like, yeah, yeah. The, pre, um, the pre-Raphaelites. Mm, yeah. They're my favorite. Um, if you guys haven't checked out pre-Raphaelite artwork and poetry, please do so. Uh, the Rosettis are fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Dante Gabriel Rossetti actually painted Lilith using a lot of symbolism, uh, talking about, you know, vanity and this perfect woman. Mm-hmm. He And he wrote a poem to go with it. The, the painting starts in 1848. The poem to follow is in the 1860s. I wrote the poem down. It's really, it's just a sonnet. Would you like to hear it? Sure. Okay. So poem and painting, 1868. He's a pre-Raphaelite. He was super into fatal women. He talked about uh, the beautiful woman without mercy and other pre-Raphaelites painted women like Ophelia. That's one of my favorite paintings. It's my favorite painting. Um, So this is the poem. Of Adam's first wife, it is told, the witch he loved before the gift of Eve, that ere the snakes her sweet tongue could deceive and her enchanted hair was the first gold. And still one sits young while the earth is old. And subtly herself contemplative draws men to watch the bright web she can wave till heart and body and life are in its hold. The rose and the poppy are her flowers for where is he not found, O Lilith, whom she'd sent? And soft shed kisses and soft sleep shall snare. Lo, as the youth's eyes burn to thine, so went thy spell through him and left his straight neck bent and round his heart the strangling golden hair. So, so she's blonde. Say that again. So she's blonde too. <laughs> Big old blonde. Of course she is. Of course she uh, is. Beautiful sick. women are very dangerous. Yeah. Um, so half the time she's considered very beautiful. Half the time she's considered very ugly. It depends mm-hmm. on which culture values what thing that they're punishing in women. Mm. Yeah. Um, wow. And the, you should see this painting. She's brushing her hair. Kind of got mm-hmm. this thousand yard stare. She has white roses around her head. They were considered her flower because mm-hmm. red roses apparently were not invented until Eve was brought into the world and the roses blushed at her brilliance and beauty. Oh. So uh, white roses, Lilith, red roses, Eve. What is the painting called? Uh, it's just called Lady Lilith. Oh, you can find a lot of really good information uh, also about this painting from the Rossetti Archive, rossettiarchive.org. <gasps> okay. Okay, okay. So I was wondering, I was going to ask, but yeah, he used um, the same model that he used for like most. Yes. Like, that model was like, is the pre Raphaelite. Like, yeah, she Fanny Copeland. Pops up over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you guys should definitely check out that artwork. You will know me better if you know the pre Raphaelites. They're mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. 
Uh, now, vampires are not directly related to Lilith until 1922 by the scholar Moffat. Uh, now, this, is, of course, is Stephen? after... Moffat? No. no. <laughs> he's old, but he's not that old. God damn. <laughs> but uh, he also doesn't really like women. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shots enough. fired. <laughs> um, so, the, the uh, scholar Moffat points out in his a translation in 1922 that this... Lilith that we're talking about drinking the blood. She's no different than the common vampire mm. of her. The quote is, uh, according to Augustine Calmet, Lilith has connections with early views on vampires and sorcery. The death of newborn children by charms is nothing less than what we understand to be that of vampires, even to be owned by these Lamed and Stregai. Uh, those were the other translations for the word Lilith. Um, so Lilith being the birthing point of vampires does actually show up in the show true blood uh right mm-hmm. around the time it fucking jumps the shark oh. that was never in the books and it goes a little crazy but you know the, uh, vampires drinking blood being agents of chaos and seduction it all links back to these early lilith tales and vampires are just the modern iteration they've become masculine in general uh female vampires are less common but again, mm-hmm. that's all to do with Lord Byron. That's mm, so snake. sexy. So snaky, so sexy. God mm. damn us all to hell. Mm. What is it? Why do I love a problematic man so much? <laughs> oh, yeah, he was like problematic. Aff. Um, but, you know. <laughs> For real. Gotta love him. Now, one of the things that's very interesting, and I think this will dovetail well to you, is that because these stories are so widespread around the world mm-hmm. uh, and they crop up in modern modern culture and modern, uh, you know, uh, tastes and, and um, film and all of that, that people started, you know, reading these stories and get invested in them and, and get mm-hmm. a little freaked out by them around the, around the fire. Mm-hmm. And they start seeing real life things and it's affecting... Yeah. The way they live their lives, you know, burying bodies face down or being suspicious of a fresh grave, Uh, all of those things, you know, as much as we can relegate them to literature, really come up in people's very real lives. We've had stories of vampires that are written down in historical uh, record Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe, maybe they weren't actually vampires because... Oh, Can such a uh, thing exist? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, uh, well, not you know. quite the thing. But they do affect people uh, through the power of the imagination that impacts their very real lives. And I think mm-hmm. you have a story of one such incidence. Yeah. Well, I, I want to touch on, like, speaking of this, like, that idea does crop up a few times throughout history. I mean, the whole reason they started, they, they started, you know, kind of desecrating bodies by burying them face down or, you know, putting weird things in them like stakes and sickles and stuff was, uh, came from real observations that they just didn't know how to explain. So, you know, there's a lot of these things came from when a new plague would come to town. Suddenly someone gets sick and they die and then suddenly everyone else starts getting sick. And so yes. they wonder, what was it about this first person that... This basic- patient zero. Yeah. So they're kind of blaming that, the first patient, for 
everyone else getting sick, which like, yeah, kind of it is their fault, but also, you know, like for, you know, it wasn't intentional. Right. So what they would do is they would dig up the first patient. And a lot of times what happens to bodies when they start to decompose is that it, you know, that old kind of like, it's it's not really true, but like the idea that your, your fingernails and your hair keeps growing. Right. Because your skin um, shrinks back. Exactly. So they would see those they would see that evidence of like oh my god their fingernails are crying and also another thing is they must as, be still alive yeah well as you're um <laughs> this is gross so if you'd want to skip it skip 30 sorry seconds guys so. we're real nasty um, but when you're when you're in like innards start um decaying and liquefying <laughs> stuff starts leaking out of your nose and mouth <laughs> really yeah I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so they would dig up this or this patient zero and they would see a trickle of what looks like blood to be Around coming out of their mouth. mouth. Or nose. So it looked <gasps> like he's freshly eaten a corpse. Yes. Oh my god, I love it. And so that's where a lot of the idea of them coming out of the grave and drinking blood came from because that's what it looked like. So they would, you know, do what they did according to their own folklore, to fix the problem. And eventually it would because the plague would burn itself out. So that is a thing that's happened all throughout Europe. There's a huge, there's a bunch of these in Poland and there's like an ongoing archaeological dig there where they keep finding bodies with like sickles across their throats and rocks in their mouths and facing down and like all that kind of stuff. Um, There's also a very famous case in new england i think uh, massachusetts because that's where all everything spooky happens so like uh, like kate said a lot of like what we think of as the modern vampire came from well you know that earlier book about that was inspired by uh, byron but then of course uh, bram stoker's dracula was published in 1897 and that kind of started a whole uh tourist industry in transylvania (laughs) and so people would go there and 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 travel around just to see you know all the castles and all the you know inspiration for those folklore um so much so that people started selling souvenirs kits so i'm sure a lot of people have come across on the the spooky side of the internet victorian vampire hunting kits yes one of my favorite most beautiful things on the internet it makes my little golf heart sing yes did you know that they're mostly not victorian oh no i did not so um yeah with i think this not the book but when they started making movies about dracula in the 1930s they started selling all these souvenirs to people who had travel to transylvania and romania i love it yeah and so they would sometimes they would incorporate actual victorian artifacts like like a bible from the era and or you know old-timey bottles old-timey cases and so a lot of in fact i think pretty much all of those victorian vampire kits are not victorian (laughs) That's so interesting. I never looked into it. I was just like, yeah, man, Victorians be- believed weird shit. And like, you know, they're known for being a dark people. A lot of them. Yeah, I know. But uh, a lot of them claim to be around before Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was 1890s. So like, that's, you know, very late 
Victorian age. Right. So uh, they're like, well, you know, yeah, it could just be because of the book, but but for the fact that it was around before then. <laughs> but no, no. That so reminds I'm, me of people who read a book that is now being turned into a movie and they won't buy that book unless it doesn't have the movie mention on it. Like, you know, soon to be demotion, major motion picture yeah. or yeah. Like they get really snobby about it. Like, you don't I like this the, before the everybody poster. else liked it. Yeah. Version. Yeah. So that's kind of what it is. It's kind of like um, <laughs> another thing that happened was um, some poor soul came to one of my former bosses museum bosses and was like i have an original ticket for the titanic no you don't and he's like uh okay <laughs> let's see it and they pulled out this uh piece of paper that said you know like passage rms titanic blah 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 it also said uh movie premiere <laughs> James Cameron <laughs> with the date of the 97 movie. Not so, paying attention to details, folks. Yeah, friends, pay attention to your things that you're buying. So anyway, that's that. But I wanted to go, when I was researching this, I was like, this is all fine and good, but I want a good story. So I kept hunting and I came across something that happened even more recently actually around the time when Lilith was being rebranded uh so the 1970s the 1970s yes and this takes place in Highgate Cemetery in London oh yeah that's quite famous yes it is uh so Highgate Cemetery is wait didn't they used to steal bodies out of Highgate Cemetery isn't that like some season one shit uh no that was um in Edinburgh oh damn okay and much earlier well, uh, shout out to all of our listeners in Edinburgh. You guys have a cool as hell city. Love you. Yeah. Or Edinburgh. I don't know how you even pronounce it. I don't give um, a shit. I'm American and I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <clears throat> so Highgate Cemetery is one of seven large Victorian cemeteries that were built in uh, in the 1830s. It was established in 1839. And it's called, they're called the Magnificent Seven. Ooh. Yeah. And they're just planned to be, you know, as the city gets bigger, they want more cemeteries outside the city. So it's very high Victorian Gothic style. So I can I can see why vampire legends would be, you know, centered here. Absolutely. Um, it was like it was the fashionable place to be buried at the time. Uh you fun fact, you can still be buried there, but it's like kind of off into not the public area Um, there's a lot of famous people buried there a lot of whom i did not recognize their names so how famous are you really (laughs) any Um, examples uh well okay i'll just give you the examples of the people that i know douglas adams (gasps) oh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. r.i.p uh george elliott oh sure and carl marx no fucking way really yeah, so make your pilgrimage. Um, I'm a socialist, not a communist, Jen. I know. Uh, anyway, so Karl Marx though. Karl Marx. A Aren't lot of people comrade? do make pilgrimages there. I would go for Douglas Adams though, in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'd bring a towel. 
I don't get that reference. (laughs) Have you never read Hitchhiker's Guide? No. (laughs) What even are you doing with your life? I'm sorry. I don't apologize. Just get correct. Okay. I spent that time watching Supernatural, apparently. (laughs) Okay. Uh... Time well wasted. Go read. It's it's a short novel. It's very mm. enjoyable and funny, and okay. you will get a much better use of your time out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fix your life. Okay, all right. So that's Highgate Cemetery. It also pops up. Um, fun fact: it pops up in one of my favorite spooky uh, young adult series. Uh huh. The what's the name of the series? It's by Maureen Johnson. Oh, yeah. The first you talked book about that before. The Name of the Star. Patty, you read it. You know. Patty. Anyway, so that one, uh, Highgate Cemetery pops up in the second book of that series. So go look it up. In 1968, the London Evening News posted the following. On the night of Halloween 1968, a graveyard uh, desecration by persons unknown occurred at Tottenham Park Cemetery in London. So this is not Highgate. Mm-hmm. These persons arranged flowers taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing to a new grave, which was uncovered. Ooh. A coffin was opened and the body inside disturbed. But the most macabre act was driving an iron stake in the form of, of a cross through the lid and into the breast of the corpse. In the 1970s? Not the 1870s. The 1970s? 1968. What the fuck? Like one year before man walks on the moon. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently in the late 1960s and early 70s, there were a bunch of young people newly interested in the occult and who just started being really drawn to these cemeteries. And they would go and they would hang out and they would vandalize the cemeteries and also... Uh, do some some rituals there. Okay. Yeah. That actually doesn't sound that crazy to me. I mean, there's actually a lot of occultism involved in like our, our race to space. Mm-hmm. One of the founders of JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, mm-hmm. uh, that would you know eventually lead to NASA. He. Uh, was a student of Aleister Crowley, and his mm. best friend was L. Ron Hubbard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's mm-hmm. some occultism running through, you know, even then. And then 1968, we're almost at the birth of punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, punk, goth, metal, it all kind of goes together. But the, you know, vandalizing cemeteries, getting involved in the occult is a little bit punk. It that doesn't it's not it's in that context it's not totally crazy to me. Keep in mind this is also like a decade before the satanic panic. So this is kind right. of like I think the precursors to this. Absolutely. So like I said there's like kind of like groups of young people who are interested in the occult who were sneaking into these cemeteries and roaming around and performing rituals. December 21st, 1969. A member of that group, or one of such group, David Ferrant, spent the night there in Highgate Cemetery. In December? Mm-hmm. Cold. I know. But it is London, so it's not, like, as cold. <laughs> it's not, like, Michigan cold. No. It's, yeah. So he reported seeing a gray figure in the cemetery. Uh, he wrote a letter to the Hampstead and Highgate Express 
on February 6, 1970, describing his experience and asking if anyone had seen anything similar. On the 13th, several people replied describing a variety of ghosts said to haunt the cemetery. Of course. Some of which were as follows. A tall man in a hat, a spectral cyclist, a woman in white, a face glaring through the bars of a gate, a figure wading into a pond, a pale gliding form, bells ringing, and voices calling. I really like the idea of a specter on a bike. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. There's yeah. some haunted mansion shit in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is Highgate Cemetery. It's possible any and all of those are there, but right. it's also quite possible that people just like feeling important and writing into the newspaper. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was one man who responded to Ferenc's newspaper post was... Okay, and I don't know how to pronounce this because there's a weird accent, but I would say instinctively Sean because it's spelled S-E-A-N, but there's an accent over the A. So I don't know if it's like, Sean. No, that's just the Gaelic way you write it. It's Sean. Okay, it's Sean. Sean Manchester. So he responded saying that he believed that a king vampire of the undead, a medieval nobleman who had practiced black magic in a medieval Wallachia, Right. In Romania. Vlad. Come across- yeah. Vlad the Impaler, which we haven't talked about at all. But Yeah, we kind of missed him. He's, it's, it's said that he was the inspiration for Bram Stoker, but also I don't think he was. Anyway, he, like, he was Hungarian and he impaled a lot of his enemies. Yeah, like 2000 after they killed his father. Yeah. So... He's also known as Vlad Dracul, which is why they think that Bram Stoker used him as his inspiration. Yeah, I could see but, the combination of, of effects there. Yeah, why yeah. not? Why but not? I remember reading somewhere that it, like there was some reason why it wasn't. But yeah. I, I, I mean, everybody's inspired by everything they take into their lives. It's really hard to just be like, you know, I was inspired yeah. by this one thing. Anyway, he killed a bunch of people. And now he's somehow haunting Highgate Cemetery? Well, he doesn't specify who it is, but he says it's a medieval nobleman. Although, knowing this guy, spoiler alert, there's a lot of bullshit going on. (laughs) (laughs) He probably does mean Vlad the Impaler himself. So he he responded that he believed that, yep, he was had been brought to England in a coffin in the early 18th century by the by followers who brought who bought a house for him in the West End. He was buried on the site that would later become the Highgate Cemetery. Huh. So Manchester's theory is that modern Satanists had roused this king vampire of the undead. <laughs> so <laughs> naturally, the right thing to do would be to find and stake the vampire's body and then behead and burn it. Obviously. See, again... Once again, that shows all the different ways we had of killing vampires. Exactly. uh, Because nobody could really pick one culture from which vampires are truly drawn. We got to do all of it, just in case. That is definitely a running theme of vampires throughout history, is people just kind of keep adding to it. And yeah, like, sure. And if you're dealing with a modern one, then, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to try everything. And nothing succeeds like excess. Kill him yeah. real dead. Real, real, real dead. Yeah. One of my favorite things is um, in those Victorian, quote unquote, uh, vampire kit, hunting kits, uh-huh. a lot of them include like silver bullets, 
which is a werewolf thing. So it's kind of like everyone's just like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> but that so that's actually part of the. Again, there was so much I couldn't cover it all. Uh, mm-hmm. Werewolves and vampires might be uh, two children of the same of kind the of story. Uh, and an allergy to silver offends both of them. Yeah, I think it's kind of just like, well, this is this works we, for something. Might as you got to try it all. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. That's too funny. So the, the paper published this account with the headline, Does a vampire walk in Highgate? <laughs> and of course, they spelled vampire V-A-M-P-Y-R because they're British. Because that's the fucking way to do it. Because that way classy. Yes. Of course, he gave absolutely no evidence for this claim. <laughs> and thus begins the great Highgate vampire saga. I um, love it. The, the following week on March 6th, the same paper reported that Ferrant had seen dead foxes in the cemetery with no outward sign of how they died. Later, both Ferrant and Manchester reported seeing dead foxes with neck wounds drained of blood. Really? Yes. But, you know, there's a lot of... They're starting to develop a sort of rivalry. Okay. These two. Gotcha. So one will publish something in the newspaper and say, yes, I saw this. And then the other one will be like, I saw this and it was like this. And the other one will be like, yeah, well, I know how to kill it. And the other one's like, well, I know how to kill it better. And so like they just keep. And then, of course, the newspaper is just like fucking loving all of it. Right. Nothing to sell papers better. This is the British newspapers. And. We, I have feelings about them, but... Yeah, I think everybody has feelings about British newspapers. They're either the best in the world or the worst in the world. Yeah, God bless the BBC, but, you know. Right. <laughs> Piers Morgan can suck a dick. Okay, so the publicity uh, from all these newspaper posts uh, fueled a rivalry between the two men, each claiming that they could expel or destroy the specter that was haunting Highgate Cemetery. <laughs> Manchester declared that he and his team would hold an official vampire hunt on Friday, March 13th, 1970. Gotta get that Friday the 13th Friday vibe. the 13th, man. You gotta. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, naturally. Is it unlucky for them or unlucky for the vampire? I think, I well, they did it on purpose, so they must have thought that it would help them somehow. Okay. I think they're just like, oh, that's a spooky day. Ooh, spooky day. <laughs> I mean, honestly, these guys just sound like, uh, what's that, like, BuzzFeed uh, ghost hunting show where they're just, like, yelling I'm, at ghosts? <laughs> I watched one episode, and I didn't keep up with it, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And we'll give everybody the opportunity to yell at their speakers as they tell us from their cars yeah. or headphones. Hey there, demons, it's me, a boy. Right? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. So... The the network ITV set up interviews with both men that would that were broadcast the morning of the thirteenth. This is like becoming a big deal. Mm-hmm. In two hours, a mob of quote unquote hunters from all over London and beyond swarmed over the gates and walls into the locked cemetery, despite police efforts to control them. <laughs> You can't keep the ghost hunters down. No. You can't keep the vampire hunters down either. They're going like full 1920s. Oh, there's a thing? Let's go watch. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I would have, you know, I would have been in that fucking cemetery. 
Like, oh you my know God. I would have been. Oh, of course. Yeah, if I was in the neighborhood, I'd be like, well, fuck. Be like, well, check mm, this is what we're doing tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unless it required be, like, I assume in this timeline, I also go to bed at 930. So uh, I would have stayed out for, like, a couple hours. And then I would have No, but see, like, the thing is, they broadcast this, these interviews in the morning. Oh, okay. So within two hours of that broadcast. So it's, like, full it's on daytime. middle of the day. <laughs> oh, that's my best time. Perfect time for vampire hunting. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. I mean, you you got your best odds. Vampires who are famous for their love of the daytime. <laughs> oh, uh, magnificent. Yeah. So I I don't it's not really clear what happened with all of these people. I think basically it was just like what happens when a whole mob of people show up in one place and there's nothing to do. I think they just kind of like hung out for a while and then eventually went home. Sure. There's not really any information about what happened. But according to Manchester's account of, of that day, they arrived at night and they entered the cemetery via a damaged railing of an adjoining churchyard and tried to open the door of one particular catacomb. They keep calling it a catacomb. I think it's like a mausoleum or a vault or something. I'm just assuming. A place where you keep bodies. You know, a body house. A house for bodies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they open the door to which... Oh, to a catacomb that had been pointed out by a sleepwalking psychic girl. Of course. (laughs) At some point. Of course they did. They might have brought her along. I don't know. According to him, a sleepwalking girl had previously led them to this catacomb. Oh, previously. So they know where to go. Right. So they open it up, but they're unable to open... What? The door? That's what I wrote down. That can't be right. Maybe it was like a particular tomb or... Like it was pointed out to them, but then they couldn't actually get access into it? Yes. Okay, that must be it. Like Spike um, or whoever locked oh, the door. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so they, they they broke into the cemetery in order to open the door to this tomb that was pointed out by the sleepwalking girl previously. Gotcha. On Supernatural. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they were unable to actually open it. But luckily they found an existing hole that they claim was exist in the roof. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of he said, he said. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They find this existing hole in the roof and they climb down um, with a rope. Inside, they find an empty tomb (gasps) into which they put garlic and sprinkled holy water. But not any poppy seeds or rice so that you could distract the vampire? No, I don't think. Well, they're lost. (laughs) I know, clearly. (laughs) Those accountant vampires will roam free. This is why it didn't end there. So, <laughs> see? Aha! So on August 1st, 1970, the charred and headless remains of a woman's body were found near that same catacomb. Which is spooky. Wait, like of an actual... That's an actual body. Oh, so not like somebody who was already dead and they like... I don't like, think exhumed so. her. I don't think so. They I created think it was... a new body. That is spooky. We don't well, like that. Well, it was that. charred. So we don't know for sure. Still. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So police suspected that it had been used in a black magic ritual. 
probably because these two chuckleheads were all over that place. Mm-hmm. Soon after, there was a noticeable surge in both Ferrant and Manchester's activities. Ferrant was found... I don't really know how to pronounce his name, but just go with it. Um, Ferrant was found by police in the churchyard beside Highgate Cemetery one night in August, carrying a crucifix and a wooden stake. He was arrested, but a few days later, the charges were dismissed. A few days after that, Manchester returned to Highgate Cemetery during the day during public visiting hours and it was able to force open the doors of a family vault and actually lift the stone lid off of one coffin jesus those are not light yeah (laughs) yeah again these are all these accounts come from these men (laughs) oh okay all right all right all right all right all right yeah sure so maybe he did i need to like i feel in all like this is how you know it's especially bullshit because wikipedia also felt the need to put all these like qualifications in there of like <laughs> so he says <laughs> allegedly allegedly according to his own book that he self-published he says that he f- that he broke into a vault and lifted the stone lid off of a coffin a coffin that he believed had been mysteriously transferred from the previous catacomb that they had entered through the roof <laughs> He was about to drive a stake through the body inside when one of his companions persuaded him not to. I don't know why. Right. (laughs) Instead, he shut the lid and placed some garlic and incense in the vault. Because that will do it. That's going to do it. That will do it. That's all you need. Sounds like his companion was like, whoa, dude. You're being... Dude, that's like a, a real person's nana. That's like a like, real could body. You stop? Can you just not? Three years later, Manchester claims to have discovered a vampiric corpse in the cellar of an empty house in the same area. He claims to have staked it and burned it. So there's that. <laughs> later, there were rumors that the two... That these two vampire hunters planned to meet again on Friday, April 13th. Uh-huh. 1973 for a magician's duel <laughs> but unfortunately for all of us it never happened wah, wah. yeah in 1974 Ferrant was jailed for damaging memorials and interfering with dead remains in highgate cemetery because it is a fucking crime yeah stop you're not stabbing nana to, you're not supposed to mess with people's remains because unless you're an archaeologist but even that it's got to be a couple hundred years in the future yeah in the yeah in the past of the yes you know yeah so please don't go digging up people's bodies also do very minimal visiting of graveyards after dark like it's really not worth getting arrested guys Mm. it's not worth it no it's just places that you have permission to be it's just kind of a dumb way to be arrested and i say this as someone who ran away from a police car in a cemetery with an open container of alcohol (laughs) as a teenager this is like (laughs) i was dumb you don't have to be learn from our mistakes you don't have time to make all the ones yourself learn from my near miss yeah just don't so both of these men wrote books about their experiences and also tend to shit on each other's accounts and expertise. It's. <laughs> I hope it's just like, 
high levels of pettiness and shade. I'm sure it is. Like, I really want to, like, find and read them now and just, like, compare notes and be like, oh, he's dumb. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like, I am so enthralled and entertained by this rivalry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It would be really great if somebody created fake Twitters for them and just, like, battled it out in a Twitter feud. Yeah, yeah. So modern. Yeah, it's pretty widely suspected and assumed that this entire thing is bullshit and they both made it up and are idiots but there are it did inspire a a few things in pop culture Uh uh-huh the it's said to be the inspiration of the film dracula ac 1972 starring christopher lee and peter cushing classic combination yes find that r.i.p christopher lee I know. Too soon. Um, and notably from our previous conversation, uh, the Highgate Vampire also appears in an issue of the Buffy comics. So there's like this whole thing about how Giles like ran into it in the 70s when he was in London. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's it's also, and it also has something to do with, it's not actually a vampire, but it's like one of Drusilla's minions. It's, Yeah. I, I haven't it. read it, but you should all check it out. It sounds uh, And also good. watch all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's an inversion of Lilith. Oh She's a beautiful, somewhat vain woman who's chasing the monsters and bringing order to the world mm-hmm. uh, rather than Lilith, who was, you know, using her beauty and vanity to bring chaos and destruction. So, you know, if you enjoy a nice inversion, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is for you. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's what I got on the Highgate Vampire. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. I am so excited. See, it does affect people in real life because yeah. we put so much faith into our literature and our culture and it really shapes who we are as people. There's like, uh, there's a thing that I found that I, I just didn't really want to go into too much, but there are like groups of people who are it, like, still vampires today who believe that they are vampires right. today. And uh, yes, uh, I recently watched Dark Tourism, which I was discussing with Mm. your sister earlier today. Uh Uh, And one of the places he goes in New Orleans is to a vampire coven. Mm -hmm, And he mm -hmm. watches a blood taking and they talk Mm -hmm. about like, oh, is this sexual? Is this not sexual? Is it a kink? What's going on? And it's very interesting. And a little silly. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean... I, I don't mm-hmm. want to yuck anybody's yum. Right. For sure, for sure. But I do also recognize that as much as, like, vampires aren't real and, and probably you aren't one, and drinking blood off of people's backs is a health hazard. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, this is this comes down to kind of what I, I kind of, like, believe in general, where it's like, do what you want. I'm not going to, like kink shame you or like lifestyle shame you but like just make sure you're not like actively hurting yourself or others like others yes yeah and i think they are like i assume they're pretty ethical about any uh blood that they get and consume Um, the ones that they talked about on uh on dark tourism were there was a huge element of consent which i very much appreciate good so yeah that exists and, and yeah. again, there there are some lovely people out there who are vampires, I'm sure, and, and who mm-hmm. really find a lot of um, truth and faith in that lifestyle. 
Mm-hmm. It's not for Jen and I, but also, you know, you guys maybe aren't into spending all your life with dusty shit, so. Yeah. I don't, I never know how to start these things. Okay. So I have a listener story. Yay. <laughs> this comes from Allie and writes, hello, wonderful ladies. I love ladies. Hi, Allie. I love your podcast. Love listening to it on my long commute to work. Fair warning, there may be a few fucks along the way in my story. How dare you? We are against using the fuck word. (laughs) Just kidding. Nobody believed that, right? Okay, good. Rude. Yeah. Fucking amen. All right. Uh, So she writes, so I have a few creepy stories, but I will start with the most recent. Okay. A while back, I had a boyfriend for a few months that was a real douchebag. Girl. No, actually, no, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> but it's like, I shouldn't say that without having any information to back it up. Right. Like, he used to tell me, you're lucky you're pretty because you're not funny. Oh. What did this bitch say? What did this bitch say to my girl, Allie? I'm sorry, oh. what? Okay, no, that's fine. That's to fine. that, she I said. She dumped him already. Like, there's nothing more we can do. Yeah, she did. Okay, this is, you knew, you know, you uh-huh. know. Uh, to that, I said, fuck you, sir. I am hilarious. Girl, Amen. But anyways, while we were dating, some weird shit started to happen after I stayed the night at his place for the first time. He was saying, girl, run. It was about 2 a.m. and I was laying awake because I often can't fall asleep in new places. I see a shadow go across the light from the window. Now this window was facing the fenced backyard. So I wake dude up. And he says, oh, that's nothing. It's probably just my shadow person. Fucking Sorry, what? you're fucking what now? <laughs> Come again? And uh, you continued to date this guy? If you yeah. got somebody who's got a pet shadow person, you need to dump him. <laughs> yeah. He says, and I quote, yeah, sometimes there's a shadow that looks like a person that follows me. It's fine. It's harmless. It's been with me as long as I can remember. He then went back to sleep. I I then lay awake thinking, nope, nope, fucking nope. Fucking no. And contemplated just leaving then and there. You should have. Get yeah. out. Cut to a week later, I had dude come to my place instead because I didn't want a shadow person hanging out with us. After that night at my place is where it got even weirder. Because the problem is the boy. Yeah. Which is the theme of today's episode. The problem is the boy. It's basically like the shadow person was a manifestation of his shittiness. Yeah, that's probably true. Him and you. Lots of large black flies and large spiders started to become a problem in my apartment. Just like months of flies and spiders I could not get rid of. That's super bad. That's a bad sign. Full disclosure, I there are lots of flies in my house all the time because farmland. Or but because your house is cursed, which is what I think. If that is the case, then everywhere in this town is cursed because everywhere I go, there's a million flies. Maybe you're cursed. Maybe you're the problem. That's true. Maybe. Speaking of that, okay, quick, very quick tangent. We also have an issue with like wasps getting into places. So yeah, we have like a little room with teaching collections at school because museum school. Right, right. And 
there's currently like a shit ton of wasps in there and my poor friend nate has to like kill them all and so he was like updating us on his progress today and he i think his kill count was like 23 today Jeez, that seems like a health and safety risk for your friend yeah yeah it does but jesus he's, he's a burly man he can handle himself honestly guys this is like museum work all over like if you go into nonprofits, you're going to be asked to do everything I yeah. kill most of the spiders because everybody else, is, I mean, like, not that I'm not afraid of spiders, but I also am much just, less interested in letting them live. Exactly. Yeah. And if you ever want to go into museum collections, all manner of pests will be your problem. Yep. So. And mold and cranky old people. And mm-hmm. it's all, I'm not trying to dissuade you, but it's low pay and shitty work. Yeah. I mean, it's very rewarding and you get to do some really cool shit. But also. (laughs) But also. Anyway. So back to this. I also started to notice a cold draft in my living room coming from my laundry room. My apartment is in an old house that was built in the 1890s. That was converted into apartments. And I live in the basement unit. (laughs) Um, My bedroom is off the living room. And the laundry room is off the living room. I figured the weird draft was probably just because it's an old house. Even though it had never been a problem before. Oh, dump Aww. him. It's, it's, it's just the ghost saying, dump him. <laughs> just spelling it out. <laughs> That's what the Ouija board says. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should have. Oh, yes. Okay. Then once he was staying the night at my place and I was about to fall asleep and I heard the bells I have on my front door knob jingling. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. No, I became fully awake at that point and woke up the dude. His response was, well, go check it out then, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I said, not alone. Come with me. He yeah. said, I'm sure it's fine. Mm-hmm. Then something lit up my living room. <gasps> oh. Oh. At that point, he was like, okay, I'll go. You stay in the bedroom. He comes back in and says, that's weird. It's my iPad. You need a code to unlock it, but it opened on its own. What the fuck? Mm. So his iPad had been unlocked by no one. We checked the the rest of the house. The bells on my front doorknob were no longer on my front door. They were sitting on the kitchen counter. Fuck off. But other than that, nothing was out of place. Fuck off. I never, I would have left. How do you go back to bed after that? I don't. At this point, I was freaking out and wanted to nope out of my apartment. Yeah, Dude, rightly yeah. so, Allie. Run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dude was calm and wanted to go back to sleep. It was the middle of the night, so he went back to bed, as you do. I mean, like, yes, terrifying, but also sleep. Like, I kind of <sighs> get it. I get very sleepy, and, like, when I'm woken up in the middle of the night, I'm like, yes, but bed. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I have too much of a survival instinct for that. I don't need to sleep for days. Yeah, when I woke up with a bat flying around my room, I, of course, left my room immediately um, and, and got Artemis out. But then after that, I was like, but I have to sleep somewhere. So I went and slept in Amelia's bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, if it were me, if I woke up and there was a bat flying around my head, that's mm-hmm. it. I'm awake now. Yeah, well, I was for a little while, and I, like called david in a panic but of course he didn't wake up anyway yeah <laughs> it's fine it Everything is fine, is fine. 
So so let's get back to Allie. She yeah. has decided not to nope out. She goes back to her bed. Goes back to bed where I lay awake the whole night. Okay. My wonderful old quirky apartment had now become a creepy old basement and it felt heavy and gave me anxiety. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, about two weeks later, I broke up with dude because he was just not a good boyfriend and always told me I was lucky I was cute because I wasn't funny. Boy, bye. Fuck um, that guy. And that my job wasn't as important as his. He was a security guard. I work for a nonprofit. Girl. <laughs> oh. I don't even have words for that. <laughs> I just like you know. I just like keep things really secure, you know. And like, you know, not to disparage security guards in this world, we certainly need them. Yes. But also, come also, on, how don't date a guy who fucking disrespects you? I'm glad you right. dumped him. Right. But like PSA for everybody's listening, and gentlemen, don't date a girl who disrespects you. Do uh, my my guys, gals, and non-binary friends do not date people who are disrespectful of your life and being. Yes. We say you're worth more, and so yep. we are right. This right. has been Relationship Advice Corner. <laughs> right. In which Aunt Kate speaks the truth. Yeah, it is my like deepest ambition to like somehow turn my podcast fame into an, ad- an advice podcast, so we'll just like tuck that nugget of- right. away for, yeah. It can be like how Coming to get rid soon. of ghosts and also dumping your shit-ass boyfriend. Yeah. Da-da-da. And I'm not having any of that nonsense girl good after we broke up the flies and spiders dissipated and the draft went away and i have not had any of those problems since but it was all very weird and now i really feel like i dodged a huge bullet i think maybe you were dating a demon yeah maybe (gasps) oh yeah no maybe he was vampire (laughs) dude had some bad juju regardless and i'm so glad everything's calm again yeah see i just like on, also, on that note, there's, like, a, a lot of me that now has trouble saying vampire in anything but, like... Uh, vampire! Vampire! <laughs> New Zealand accent. <laughs> I sometimes can't hear the word vampire without a southern accent because of all of my true blood time. Vampire. Okay. We all have our uh, inspirations. That's right. Um, so, anyway, uh, she says finishes off saying that, sorry, that was a bit rambly, but I love your podcast. And Jen, I I love the Fortnite. It is very fitting. Thanks, fuckers. <laughs> um, oh, all right. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Allie. I'm glad you got out of there. Yeah. Got out of that relationship. So, my ass hurts. My ears hurt. Let's wrap this up. How can people find us online, Jeff? Uh, we are on Twitter. And Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Twitter, we're haunted underscore pod, where this podcast is haunted on other things. If you want to email us a story, we are this podcast is haunted at gmail.com. It has been a very long episode, but thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Jen, what's the last thing we always say? Well, well, see you in a fortnight. But until then, <laughs> stay spooky, motherfuckers. Fucking right. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>